G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Connecting faith to life. Vision. Coming up today on The Story. When we first started it, we didn't have very much support from the prison or anyone else. But like by the end of it, we had something like 20 people and they busted us up into different units. And we sort of worked out that there were like probably 200 men doing Bible studies in that jail by the end of what we'd done. So yeah, it was pretty amazing, eh? The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, usually when you think of prison, it conjures up images of a dark, confining place where nobody wants to be. So it's ironic that for Rod Donovan, prison was where he experienced some of the most positive events in his life and where a mini revival began to break out among some of the prisoners. Today, Rod shares the events that led up to him being in jail and how an amazing transformation began in his life while he was there. Rod Donovan is chatting with Shelley Scowen. So let's go back to the beginning. I guess I think we'll just do this in chronological order. <laughs> let's talk about your life. Um, what was it that got you onto the drug scene initially as a kid? Um, I actually didn't start doing drugs till I was about 22 year old. And mm-hmm. uh, I, had a, I busted up with uh, my wife and daughter and just sort of life went downhill big time uh, like in a serious way. Like within about three, well, two or three years after that, I became a heroin addict, and I was like using probably three thousand dollars worth of heroin a day. Wow! And my girl too; she also was using that kind of amount. So to sustain that sort of money, I had to. Get, I ended up robbing, becoming an armed robber, and selling drugs, and just what went down like a very deep dark road. So. That lasted for about 10 or 12 years, I did. Wow. What were you thinking at the time? Was it a lifestyle that was acceptable to you at the time? Were you enjoying it or were you kind of wanting to get out of it? Well, like at first, the thing with heroin is it's either the first time you have it, it's either the best thing you ever do or the worst thing you ever do. And unfortunately for me, it was like... First choice for me, like it was just, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I hate to say that, but yeah, so yeah. if I had had a bad experience, I probably wouldn't have gone back to it. But I, well, there's a reason up, it's addictive, hey? Yeah, and I ended up going to a party that lasted for about three or four days, and then I went home and went to bed and woke up really sick. And then I realized I'd become a heroin addict in like four or five days, so mm. that's how it all started. Wow. It took about 12 years or maybe 15 years to get off it and get straight after that. Yeah. What was it like to finally get caught when the law caught up with you? How did that Uh, happen? uh, That happened in Chinchilla uh, about 10 years ago now. It was a Sunday, lunchtime, Father's Day, and uh, we'd been up all night on speed. And uh, for a couple of days, and I went to go to bed, and I'd been asleep for about two hours, and um, next minute the police kicked the door in, 
uh, took me off to uh, jail and I didn't come home for like close to a year, I think it was, nine months. But yeah, I was actually relieved. I was actually relieved that I'd been caught. Mm. And when I, um, yeah, just give me time, like once I got off of all the drugs and had time to think about my life and got sorted out, I landed in R&R, the Ramland and Reception Centre. At um, at Waco, mm-hmm. and then while I was I was in, uh, I ended up in a unit called A One, which was like where all the I don't know no hopers end up, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so after a couple of days of being in the unit, I met a couple of boys who used to go down to the end of the corridor uh, about lunchtime every day, and they do Bible study. Anyway, I actually went down there the first day to see what they were doing and that for me to sit down and read with them. And I actually said no the first day. And then a couple of days later, I ended up going down there and sat in with them and um, we started a Bible study group. Wow. That's amazing. So you weren't saved at the time, but you were just interested in it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't exactly know. I actually went down there to... Well, I didn't go down there to be nice, actually. I was going to go down there and give them a bit of a serve, but I ended up... I think God was pulling me by the ear, actually, mm. to get me down there. So I sat in with them. I read with them for a while, and one thing led to another, and after about a month and a half of this, there was, like, 40 men in the unit, and, like, 20 of us were doing Bibles every day. What? Yeah, uh, it was pretty amazing, eh? Wow. I had what they would call um, a white light experience with God. Like, I was in a cell, like, there was, it's really dark, <laughs> like, stinky and dirty. And, like, when you go, the lights would go out of the night, the cockroaches would just come up out of the sink in the shower. Yuck. And just, like, fill the whole place. But, like, while this was going on, I felt God come into my cell, put his arms around me, and he told me that he loved me, and that's how it happened. And then I went out, and I wasn't telling them what had happened to me, because I didn't really believe it myself, but the boys in the yard next day actually picked a change, you know, that it happened that night, so... Mm. What a major turning point in your life. I mean, things were just going downhill and further and further downhill. You were in a very dark place, literally and figuratively, when God came in and lightened it all up for you. Absolutely. And, you know, that when I decided to give my heart to the Lord, I went to church and you had to put your name down to go to church and, like, only 27 people could go to church out of the whole jail. So there was a Salvation Army minister there. Yeah. And uh, he put his arm up and prayed over the whole group, and this fellow like fell down on the floor. And I didn't really, I wasn't aware of the saying like going down under the spirit. So I looked over and I thought somebody hit him, mate. Yeah. <laughs> behind. Yeah. So anyway, I went back to the unit and I rang my girl up and I told her that I'd gone to church that day. And I told her about how somebody fainted. And she told me what it meant, so I understood what was going on then. But yeah, it's been an amazing journey, eh? Like, I've been 10 years a Christian now. And, like, um, 
I've got a lot of uh, friends and people that respect who I am now in Chinchilla. I'm the assistant manager of uh, our local hardware shop. Wow. And life's just awesome. <laughs> wow. So life has really turned around for you then. Yeah, absolutely. I've got a great wife who I love with all my heart. And every day I get up, I thank God for what he's done for me. Mm, incredible. And, yeah, so. Right, an amazing transformation. How did you end up kicking the addiction to the drugs, though? Were you still using drugs in jail at the time? Um, no, no, I didn't. I, when I went back to jail, uh, I stopped using and I stayed clean all the time that I was in jail and there was no shortage of drugs in jail, believe me. Mm. So I stayed clean for a while um, until I got out and then I had to be uh, part of my bail conditions until I went back to court for production of methamphetamine was that I'd be drug tested once a week. So that was part of my bail conditions and like that, uh, I, was, I was on bail for a year. So what was it like then to give up the heroin and whatever else you were addicted to? Well, like I know it, it's it's difficult, eh? Like I don't think, I probably wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't get the help that I, got, I received from God. Mm. Like, I mean that, I can't say it any other way. Like I've got friends that are still doing the same things. Uh, the same things as I was doing like 10 years ago. Drugs are a huge problem in our little town, mm. in Chinchilla, and uh, yeah, it just makes me sad eh, to see a lot of people I know that are still travelling down that road. Yeah, I guess it would be strange to look at those people, and as you say, it is saddening because you've now got this whole new lease on life. You have the joy that the Lord brings. You know that you're not dependent on the next shot of heroin and the next uh, big high because you've got the natural high that comes from God. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, like, there were a few times after when I come home that I slipped back into that, and luckily I had a loving wife that supported me through all of it but yeah it wasn't it wasn't a walk in the park and it's not an easy thing to do you know and mm. uh, you've got to have that support around you like people that care like I was really lucky when I come home from prison because uh, I had a pastor our local pastor his name was Brian Steele from Chinchilla and my wife had started going to their church so the night that I got home from prison he actually come around and see me because when I left jail I said to my mates, I said, where do we go from here? Because we had like our church, our Bible study every day. and We had a system in place to keep everyone in check. Great. So I was a bit worried about going home. Yeah. And my mate said to me, he said, just trust in the Lord. It'll be right. And I didn't have the faith that I have now. So anyway, Brian still showed up that night. And it's been good ever since, if you know what I mean. So, yeah. But I was really lucky to have Pastor Brian Steele in the early years. Look, the man I am today, I have him to thank with God, of course. Wow. I think that's a challenge to the rest of us too, that we can also be uh, have that mentor role to other people in our community as well. Those are people that are out there looking for accountability partners and just looking for someone to do the journey alongside them is something that all of us can be on the lookout for. Hey? Yes, absolutely. You're listening to The Story. 
Today, Shelley Scowen is chatting with Rod Donovan about some of the life-changing events that began over 10 years ago while he was in prison. Next, we'll find out about some of the challenges he faced in the outside world after he was let out. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. We're continuing with Shelley Scowen chatting with Rod Donovan about his life in prison where he became a Christian and how a mini-revival broke out among a number of the prisoners. It sounds like they were having awesome fellowship and encouraging each other. But then when he was released, the question became, would he be able to keep strong in his faith in the outside world? Let's find out as we hear more of Rod Donovan's story. Rod, we've been hearing your amazing story of the uh, things that God has done in your life, uh, how he visited you in quite a tangible way when you were there in prison, and then you did all sorts of Bible studies in prison, and you're now obviously on the outside. But in prison, some pretty amazing things happened. Tell us some of the miracles that you saw happening there. I'd love to share this story with you. When we used to have our uh, our Bible reading, there was an Aboriginal guy that was in our group and he was a really really bad reader (laughs) and everybody used to get really agitated about the way he read but he really liked to read right yeah so we all prayed for him one day before he broke up that the lord would help him with his um with his reading and like the next day he come down and like he opened his bible up and like i've never heard a reading like it since and like there was no stuttering, no stopping, no nothing like overnight. That, and like the only he could read properly was the Bible. Really? Like, yep, yep. And like, as long as I live, I'll never forget that man's voice when he come down that morning and opened his Bible. It was like a bird singing, you know? Wow. And like that, that was just like, like we'd all pray for like, people in the group that were going through stuff and like just like miracles happen there like on a daily basis so what kind of miracles yeah. what other oh, stories just, have you got like there was one kid that was uh, going to court and like he was looking at seven years he'd like been part of the group like from the word go and like he got out and got to go home with his wife on time third and three years parole and, like, we we got a letter after he got home that couple of weeks later thanking us for what had taken place. And, like, I believe he's a Christian and still going along fine. Wow. So, you know, there were just lots of little things. And, and, like, some days you'd be down in the corridor. And, like, in the end, when we first started it, we didn't have very much support from the prison or anyone else. But, like, by the end of it, we, I think... We had something like 20 people, and they busted us up into different units. And we sort of worked out that there were, like, probably 200 men doing Bible studies in that jail by the end of what we'd done. Really? So, yeah, it was pretty amazing, eh? So you kind of became your own missionaries inside the jail? Yep, yep. We used to um, do the Lord's Table 
<laughs> yeah. Everything in there, yep. Yep, we used to get like do the cordial and the Lord's table and Wow. Yeah. And the rule in jail was that more than three or four people congregating together was actually not allowed. And so for us to do what we done with that Bible study was actually illegal. You know? Yeah, so like, that's interesting. They let it happen well God let it happen, you know. Wow. Do you think they could see that good things were coming out of those meetings, though? They kind of turned a bit of blind eye. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, there were days you could just feel the electricity bouncing off the walls down there, eh? Yeah, and, like, the the thing about jail was you've got nothing else to do in jail. So that's all we used to do is to read and learn about the Bible. Really? Okay, so you weren't off doing courses or work or anything during the day? You were pretty much just reading the Bible all day? Uh, pretty, yeah, we'd have study groups and then we'd have like uh, everyone had given a section to the study of a night in their cell yeah. and then you'd have to break it down and talk about it and say what that meant to you. And, like, sometimes you give the same passage to like five different men and like no two people have the same meaning from it. Yeah. It was an amazing experience, eh? It's just so inspiring talking to you prisoners, or ex-prisoners, I should say. Um, Just amazing stories of just how God is working inside the prisons. And, I mean, your theological knowledge probably far outweighs half of us on the outside because you've been there diligently studying the Scriptures and God has just been working so amazingly in your life. You've seen the really practical outworkings of everything you've been learning as well. I think you probably leave the rest of us for dead. It's amazing. Uh, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. But, you know, the sad thing about it was, like, when I got home and then to get a job and you get busy and you sort of leave some of that behind. Yeah. And some days you just think, you know, like, you think back to them simple days when there was just, like, that's all you had to do. Yeah. Whereas now, because I'm so busy with what I do, you have to try and make that time now, you know, whereas that time was a natural thing before. Just happened, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, And I always think it's funny too. You're so right. We all do need to make that time. And I always think it's a bit of an oxymoron or something. It just doesn't make sense that here we are having to fit into our busy schedule some time to spend with the creator of the universe, you know, as if we're more important than he is that, you know, we can somehow maybe fit in five minutes with the creator of the universe to have some personal time with him. You know, when you say it like that, it sounds ridiculous. And yet, it is a real struggle for 99% of Christians out there. Absolutely. Like, there are some days when I don't, you know, when I don't talk to you. Like, when if I'm out in the truck doing a delivery, I'll talk to God. But, you know, if I'm, like, flat out going all day, I feel bad that I haven't stopped and had a chat to him mm-hmm. during the day. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like, so, and it's wrong that we only talk to God when things are going bad. You know, we yeah. need you need to talk to God when things are going good too, eh? Absolutely. Good challenge for all of us. You were saying about um, assimilating back into, I guess, normal society. It's not the first time it has happened for you. You did a stint in jail around 20 years ago as well, um, came back, and then it's happened again. Um, what is it like to come out of jail and get back into normal society? Well, for me it was... Um it was hard because, like, the choice was to whether we were going to stay in Chinchilla and try and get our life back together or run away and start somewhere new. 
But anyway, we both thought that we'd stick it out and like try and turn it around. And I'm glad I did because I have an excellent job now. And like my boss, like he's just been so supportive of everything that I do. Mm, like, he's a big part of the person I am today because. I had no knowledge or skills of what I do these days. And like, he's basically taught me everything I know about hardware and running a hardware. Awesome. Uh, you know, like, but the big thing about coming out of jail is what like, you have to keep away from the people and the reasons that put you in there. Yeah. That was a mistake I made for a lot of years. Like, I kept going back to bits of the old world. Like, you have to shake that part of the world off. Which, to your credit, you managed to do without moving towns. And, I mean, Chinchilla is a small town. You had those same people, I'm guessing, remotely in your world anyway. And then you would have had, I guess, the small town gossip that goes with it as well. Yeah, it's taken a few years. Well, it took a lot of years to get people's respect because a lot of people didn't know how fair income I was. Yeah. So, you know, over the last 10 years that's happened. And, like, I have some wonderful friends out there who been very supportive since uh, the day I come home. You know, the hardest thing I've ever done in my life was the day I come home and we had to go to church, the first time I ever went to church. Like, the hardest walk I've ever had to make in my life was from the car through that front door you know, up into that church. Eh? Mm. Like, it was like, but once I was inside, it was like awesome. But I'll never forget walking from the car to the church. It was just terrifying, huh? Eh? <laughs> yeah. That makes any sense. Yeah. But I'm glad once you were inside, it was awesome. I take it oh, the people there welcomed you? Absolutely. With open arms. With open arms. Great. And I remember the pastor saying, we sat up the back first, and uh, he said, come and sit up the front, <laughs> because like, if the devil comes, he'll be taken to the back row first, and that made sense to me. <laughs> 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 yeah, right. Whatever works for you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, look, I just, um, I mean, my story's old and now, but, you know, like, my heart's just up people, like, this is, I got saved in jail, and, like, it's a very dark, grimy world in there, and, like, you know, for God to come in and change my life there, like, that was the last place I thought I was ever going to get help like that. Yeah. Rod, amazing to hear your story. You do say it's an old story. It's about 10 years since you were saved, but oh, it's not old in in terms of the amazing ways that God continues to work in people's lives. And uh, what an amazing transformation in your life. I'm sure you're so thankful for him coming in and changing things for you. Absolutely. And thank you, Shelley, and God bless you all. That was Shelley Scullin chatting with Rod Donovan about his life in prison and getting us caught up on what has happened in his life after being released. It's great to hear that he's still strong in his faith and how other Christians have really been supportive of him adjusting to life in the outside world. I believe this is a ministry opportunity for all of us if an ex-prisoner comes into our lives or to our church. Rod spoke of how the hardest thing he had to do was walk into a church after he was let out and how terrifying it was for him. It was great to hear that his pastor and the church welcomed him with open arms and encouraged him. A perfect example of God's love for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. We sold a thousand albums and I wasn't gigging. I wasn't really out there doing it. And people said, well, who wrote the lyrics? Um, We did. Yeah, but who did the music? 
um, we did. Yeah, but who? I well, we did it all. And they went. Well, how do you know how to do that, Eric? I can only put it down to God because we didn't know. We didn't know we couldn't do it, so we did it anyway. Jane Kellaway is an Australian country music singer and an award-winning country music presenter. She shares the role faith plays in her life and how she and her husband were introduced to faith in the Lord at a multi-level marketing conference. That and some of her music next time. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.